This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot button internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Ben and Kelly broadcasting live from a very soggy Santa Monica today. We're here in the heart of Silicon Valley here at the offices of the Internet Law Center. Um, Please check out our website, internetlawcenter.net. And for information on today's show, go to our blog at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com. And um, so today's show is Good and Evil in Tech. And um, we have a, a fair amount of both to discuss and also some news developments. But um, in the second segment, we're going to have um, – we're going to talk about good in tech. And um, particularly following Giving Tuesday, um, we're going to follow up that with um, a report on um, CauseCast. Um, it's a, a very interesting new um, company that helps com- – that enables companies to um, – organize and monitor um, their own social engagement. And we're going to have its CEO and founder, Ryan Scott, on uh, to talk about that. And um, Ryan is a, uh, is a well-known social entrepreneur. But um, first, let's cover some news updates. And um, I, by the way, I said we're broadcasting live from a soggy Santa Monica, L.A. is now in its second day of a pretty heavy rainstorm, and but it is much needed. We've been suffering from a severe drought, and um, a lot of people were very afraid of a, a very bad fire season, and we've been lucky so far. But um, the big news, um, one of the big um, Christmas movie releases is the Seth Rogen movie um, featuring um, his pal um, Franco and um, called The Interview. And uh, um, North Korea, which um, they play two kind of um, the TV show host and producer um, going to North Korea to interview the, the North Korean leader, and um, and then they get recruited to kill them. And um, well, North Korea has expressed its displeasure all along about the the production. And now they've been subject. Sony Pictures has been subject to a massive hack and data breach, and the, the scope of the data breach is quite extensive, and includes a spreadsheet including the names, birthdates, and social security numbers of close to four thousand employees, payroll breakdowns for the entire company, 
a spreadsheet detailing all the Sony Pictures employees terminated in 2014, including cause, um, employee performance reviews, salaries for top executives, um, as well as um, releasing some um, film uh, content as well. And, um, and the interesting thing is the North Korean government has not denied responsibility. And so this clearly is, uh, looks like it's payback from North Korea over the, um, the film. And uh, it is quite a massive data breach. And I mean, this could end up costing um, Sony millions um, in liability because of it. And, um, you know, Sony had been subject to uh, a series of data breaches just two years ago. So I think an argument can be made that they should have been prepared um, for such an attack, particularly knowing um, the North Koreans' objections to this film. So um, definitely something we're going to follow. We actually may uh, reach out and have some someone from the, the Hollywood press come on and talk about this um, on a later show. So um, the, the movie opens September, excuse me, December 25th on Christmas, and it looks like quite a fascinating uh, movie. It looks like it's good for laughs, and uh, but the question is, is I don't think Sony may be laughing by that point. Now, yesterday was uh, or Monday, I should say, was a big day in the Supreme Court, and um, in that there was an argument on whether or not uh, a threat on Facebook is protected by the First Amendment, or whether a threat is a threat is a threat, and um, which is really appears to be in my view. Um, and basically, the uh, the, plaint- the defendant in that case insisted that he didn't mean to frighten his ex-wife um, and that he was merely just blowing off steam and in his kind of threatening post on Facebook. Um, but it didn't seem like the Supreme Court was buying that argument. Um, so Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, the justice who actually was just ho- recently hospitalized um, for a heart procedure, says, asked the question, how does one prove what's in someone else's mind? Um, and she said, a reasonable person would think the words would put someone in fear. And um, it's interesting, you know, when the Supreme Court deals with an issue like this, um, it, it, there's always the possibility that they might articulate a standard um, that creates a bright line that allows courts to better manage cases like these in the future. So in, in the 70s, there was a case brought against the New York Times over reporting of um, – of the um, civil rights movement in the South, and um, basically assuming the New York Times for libel, and the Supreme Court said that when you're covering matters of public interest, um, if something is involves a public figure and a matter of public interest, um, we're going to create a very high standard that you have to show in order to win a defamation case, because otherwise um, there'd be such a risk of suits that would, it would have a chilling effect and actually would um, thwart. Um, the free expression of speech. So in balancing the two interests, the Supreme Court set a bright line rule that says in those cases, you have to show actual malice. And um, that was New York Times Reed Sullivan, and I believe it was 1973. And so you know, it has been you know, a fair amount of time. You know, the question is always the possibility that in your ruling on this case, the court may take the opportunity to articulate an appropriate standard um, for you know, addressing threats or whether even just updating Sullivan for today's times. So it's, it's worth watching. Um, I do not believe that the appeal will be successful. Um, and um, 
but there's always a possibility that the court may use the opportunity to make a, a broader statement. And um, so, which leads us to, and actually today in history is the, um, um, I believe, let's see, do my math right, it's the 30th anniversary of the Bhopal disaster with Union Carbide in um, India, and um, quite a tragic event. So in California, we have the, um, we actually have someone sentenced. Um, no Ingues in, uh, was sentenced to a year of jail um, for three counts, including one count of um, violating the revenge porn law. And um, the LA County City Attorney's Office said a conviction under law was the, their first, and a jury ruled that he would have to serve 36 months probation after attending domestic violence counseling. And um, so we actually have a um, one conviction, and we had Carl Cronenberger on earlier this year um, to talk about his civil victory, one of the, the first verdicts on record um, for revenge porn in California as well. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's starting to take root, and hopefully it will have the effect that we hope. So <coughs> today's theme is good and evil in tech, and in the second half we will be talking about good um, just as um, as scheduling will work out. It turns out we're going to be starting off with bad. And right now um, one of the bad boys in tech is Uber. And um, Uber um, has been getting tons of press, um, particularly following – um, a report that came out um, that it was um, going to target, it was going to spend up to a million dollars to target journalists um, who were writing bad things about them. And, um, and basically said, gonna, here's a quote, um, that we're going to spend a million dollars to hire four top opposition researchers and four journalists. The team could... He, um, help Uber fight back against the press. They look into your personal lives, your family, and give the media a taste of its own medicine. Um, you know that's quite a, a thuggish statement to make, and it led to a huge um, fallout and reaction from Uber, which already had, um, you know, was reeling from a bunch of missteps. And let's kind of go over some of the things that they've, they've the problems they've had over in the last year or so. Um, Uber drivers have been arrested for kidnapping in Los Angeles and um, sexual assault in the District of Columbia in Florida. Um, Uber is being sued for refusing to serve blind patrons. Um, Uber drivers, um, while Uber claims that the drivers are very well paid and make close to $90,000, in reality, an investigation found they don't make anything close to that. And in fact, some of them barely make the minimum wage. Um, Uber uh, is alleged to have engineered a denial of service attack against its competitor Lyft, um, using 177 workers to book and then back out of 5,500 rides over a 10-year period. Um, Lyft's investor, um, Peter Thiel, um, well-known in Silicon Valley, actually called Uber the most ethically challenged company in Silicon Valley. Um, Uber also revealed that it was tracking um, what it perceived to be its rider's one-night stand, you know, based on the time the rider, the rider was dropped off and then subsequently picked up. And they were actually making calculations on what it called its rides of glory and calculating the areas having the highest concentration of them so they could have drivers there. Um, they denied liability for the death of a pedestrian struck by a Uber driver. 
um, or assault in which a Uber driver actually struck a passenger in the eye with a hammer and that could potentially blind the victim. Um, Uber, which has a God's view profile um, in which you can see where all of its cars are at any one point in the city and, and more importantly, who's carrying it, actually you know, displayed the God view um, profile to a launch party in Chicago when they launched in Chicago and pointed out um, to the guests, you know, notable people who were actually riding Uber at the time, including um, writer Steve Sims, who received a text um, from someone attending there saying, hey, I know you're right by Columbus Square, aren't you? And he said, how do you know? And which led to a, a big backlash on that. Um, Uber got in trouble for using surge pricing to price gouge during events such as um, this, the recent um, hurricane that struck the East Coast. And um, Uber also had launched a campaign in, um, in France in which it hired, quote, hot chick drivers um, to drive around with um, its riders and uh, hoping that, you know, that would somehow encourage people um, to ride Uber. But after a backlash, it, it, it was dropped. And so the, um, it, the backlash started with, um, in response to that, um, with um, Pando Daily, Sarah Lacey, who's been one of the, the main critics of Uber, wrote a, a headline, quote, The horrible trickle-down um, blank hole culture, why I've just deleted Uber from my phone. And um, Elizabeth Plank and, and um, Mick um, wrote that if you care about women, delete your Uber account. And she said, it's hard to count all the ways Uber has degraded, diminished, and generally harmed women since its founding in 2009. When it's the CEO, whether it's the CEO openly referring to his company as Boober um, because of it, it, its effect on his sex life, or the company's chauvinistic ad campaigns, the alleged shut shaming, excuse me. The alleged slut-shaming of female passengers who accused drivers of assault or the reports that drivers choked or even attempted to abduct female passengers, the company has built a reputation for increasingly problematic and misogynist management style and culture. And that's saying something in Silicon Valley. Um, and uh, another um, – Travis Kalanick um, – Another um, journalist said that Uber suffers from a, a paradoxical challenge. Its leadership is clearly smart and strategic as hell, yet at the same time, the company culture reeks of immaturity and lack of ethics. So Uber responded to this initial backlash by making the threat to spend a million dollars. And that, um, and then after that, uh, one of its prominent, um, one of its officers actually tweeted um, a post that basically said, you know, quoted the Taylor Swift song, Shake It Off, Haters Are Gonna Hate. And so um, clearly they, they were un, they were defiant and uh, you know unshaken by some of these allegations and were more or less going forward. And there's a story today that Uber was uh, has been sharing its God view um, data with employees during, I mean, prospective employees during job interviews. And so it has led to a major backlash Um against the company and media. In fact, the New York Times, Neil Irwin said that the company um, has renounced the Douglas campaign of targeting critics that its senior vice president described at a dinner party, but there are signs that Uber has taken aggressive stance toward the media outlets that cover it and that lacked internal protections against the misuse of customers' travel information. 
A writer for San Francisco Magazine said this week, the sources inside the company warned that her company might be monitor, might monitor her for rides. A BuzzFeed reporter said that she attended a meeting with an Uber executive in New York, and he was monitoring her arrival in one of the company's cars. And um, all these company, well, all these incidents have in common is they offer a portion of a company without adults in charge. For the top executive ranks to individual operating units around the world, the mentality seems to be one in which sheer belief in the rightness of the cause overwhelms what an outsider believes at best questionable and at worst immoral practices. So Uber's under um, major attack, and they've actually brought in Harriet Pearson um, from Hogan Lavelle, who actually has been on the show um, to discuss the privacy, discuss the um, the, um, the data breach lawsuit being a challenge brought against FTC enforcement um, that was recently brought. And um, so she was on there, I think it was sometime last year. Um, but um, she's been brought in to conduct an audit and uh, on their data practice and kind of restore user trust. Um, and But Capitol Hill is already starting to look at it. So Uber has quickly become this tech bad boy. Um, and, and just today... In the news, it looks like that they may soon have company. Um, Zillow, uh, the headline and raw story is that online firm Zillow ranked female employees by breast size and created an adult frat house culture. Um, in the lawsuit, it's alleged that um, the company supervisors at their Irvine office cultivated an adult frat house culture, refusing to take action when she reported offensive behavior. Um, and that privately, Zillow executives bragged that the office culture led to more sexual encounters than Match.com and referred to the internal office directory as Zinder, named after a dating application, Tinder. Um, less than two months after, um, let's see, um, he, she received texts that read something like, I have a great opportunity that just opened up on my face in the 92660 market, her manager said. Call me if you are interested. This is an executive position. It won't last long, um, clearly with sexual innuendo. And then some people just abandoned the innuendo altogether. Um, call me. Matt is showering, thinking 333 dinner drinks and your smooth vagina. Uh, another one said, want to blow, blow me and have sex tonight. Um, really, really charming. Um, but, uh, so, I mean, again, keep in mind these are allegations, but um, it does not paint a very positive picture of Zillow, and then we recently had the the allegations that were brought up um, about the GamerGate and just you know, the, the extreme uh, misogyny and harassment that was directed at Nidia Sarkeesian and some of the other um, female um, gamer players, and um, it's creating what I think is highlighting, um, and particularly the Uber story. They, they, there always was the statement that. Uh, this seems to be particularly a bad environment, even for Silicon Valley, and or an extremely sexist environment, even for Silicon Valley, which raises the question, you know, somehow um, is an acknowledgement that there seems to be a problem in Silicon Valley o- over sexism. And, um, you know, given these facts, what, what are we doing about it? And um, is it something that we're going to tolerate? And... Um, that is that's a fair question to ask. I mean, obviously, you know, we can deal with them one one offs in terms of um, Uber or whatever. But um, we're going to talk about that more when we come back after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlaw Business Report only on WebmasterRadio.fm. 
Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. InternetMarketingINC.com is one of the fastest-growing full-service digital marketing agencies in the country, specializing in providing results-driven online marketing solutions. Internet Marketing Inc.'s passionate team prides themselves on staying ahead of marketing trends to create and implement campaigns that get more traffic to your website, gain positive brand awareness, and drive conversions. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at box speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and um, we're talking about good and bad in tech Um and we'll be having a, a Ryan Scott in just a little bit. But um, there was an interesting article by the law firm Merchant and Time Magazine um, mid last month, in which she talked about the whole Uber controversy, but put it in context of the, the broader issues in tech. Um, the headline was "Dismantling Tech Sucks Culture Isn't Easy, but Deleting Uber Sure Is." And um, she said, "We all." Um, we all should be concerned about what's going on with Uber, not just for what it says about tech, but what it means for businesses and culture as a whole. Um, some people have called the latest news just another clueless move by the inexperienced and young company executives, but that defies evidence of a pattern at play in tech, business, and society overall, that women are threatened and oppressed for having an opinion, perhaps more to the point that men and their inactions allow them the attitude to propagate. Boys will be boys. And... And so this is prevailing um, view, and she as she continues, this is not an isolated incident in tech. It's part of a pattern. Take, for example, Gamergate, a controversy that began earlier this fall of online harassment of women in video gaming culture. Social media attacks, particularly those from website forums for Chan and Reddit, were widely condemned for their sexism and misogyny. Just last month, media critic and feminist Anita Karkisian became the subject of terrorist threats against her planned lecture at Utah State University, which made international headlines. And we actually had Mark Rendaza on because of his, you know, his Twitter tag, I am Sarkeesian. And so um, this is something that I think we, you know, tech needs to take a look at themselves. Um, you know, granted, you know, technology has created 
Um, there, in some ranks, there it is a disproportionate um, amount of men, um, particularly on the, the technology side, and and so you know that creates a, a different environment. But you know, as we hire and and ex, expand com- the companies to beyond just you know, the core developers, to, um, you know, the company has to grow up, and I, and I think you keep seeing this over and over again in the, in the Uber coverage. You know, bringing in the grown-ups. You know, it's time to end the boys' culture, and and so that is something that I think we're going to have to monitor. I, I think um, it's it, Uber is a is a good lesson, and Zillow in particular, um, if those facts are true, uh, are a good lesson that you know, just because a company is doing well doesn't mean you have carte blanche to to do extreme things. Um, and 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 I say this as a lawyer, and but you know, law is not exempt. Um, there's a famous, you know, which led to uh, a several hundred million dollar judgment or settlement, I believe. But there was a partner at Baker McKenzie, which would, which at the time was one was the or one of the largest firms in the world, who um, had particular liking for M and M's, and um, he I don't know if it was plain or peanut to be honest. But he had a habit of dropping them in women's blouses and then retrieving them. I mean, this is a lawyer. I mean, come on. Um, if, if you are that clueless, or which I don't think he is, I really think it's a certain arrogance and a belief that he can get away with it. And I think that's, that's, the, cl- <coughs> Forgive me, that's the culture that we have in some of these cult companies, it seems, whether it's Uber or Willow. Um, excuse me, Zillow. <coughs> It's something that needs to be addressed. You know, there's a certain um, startups. You know, particularly when you still have the original founder, there's just this belief and this power that you know it, it's their company; they can do whatever they want. Well, guess again, you can't. The law does apply. You know, law protecting women from sexual harassment it exists even in your company, buddy. And uh, I think that's the point that has to come through. You know, I think you know professionals. Um, Need to rise up and say, "Hey, um, it has, and it takes it's it's difficult to actually say to your manager, hey, I, I know you're on the cover of Time Magazine or Fortune or whatever, but you know you're being a real douchebag right now. You know this ha- this we can't do this. Um, granted, it, that that is not an easy thing to do, but th- that's the challenge I think we're we're seeing right now in tech. I think it's um, it's going to be interesting to see as these companies evolve. It's also going to be interesting to see to what extent um, lawsuits come out that set the precedents." Um, you know, it's it's landmark cases. It's one big judgment that gets people's notice. You know, no one likes to lose money. Um, even you know, business people like to make lots of money. They don't like to pay lawyers, and they especially don't like to pay plaintiffs. And so, I think you know, a uh, 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 some litigation shaming, so to speak, could actually go a long way to maybe um, getting Silicon Valley's attention to address it, what clearly seems to be a problem. And so that is what we're facing at the moment, and um, we'll, we'll see how this progresses. Now, yesterday was, you know, over time, Thanksgiving traditions have evolved. Um, and unfortunately, one of those traditions now seems to be of, I'm shopping on Thursday, which, you know, frankly, I find distasteful. But um, we've, for long, we've had Black Friday, and um, there was this meme going around that you know, Black Friday actually had some links to slavery. It did not. And, and speaking of memes, just as a side point, there's this meme going around on Facebook where people are 
um, posting some notice that pursuant to um, such and such code that they are um, telling you that Facebook cannot use their pictures or any of their content, yada, yada, yada. Well, actually, if, you know, just look at the terms of the statement. The code they reference does not even exist. There is no intellectual property code. Um, so, you know, comment number one, get a clue. Um, comment number two, read the terms of the conditions. You don't have that right. You gave Facebook that, that right when you, when you joined. If you don't want Facebook do, don't, doing it, don't do it. But the other thing is, is come on, if you're going to circulate um, some meme like that, at least check it out. Um, and, and so, you know, lately, I've, for every person, I've been seeing more of these memes about how wrong that is than people actually posting it, but it goes in waves. And I myself, you know, I, I posted the, an article about the response, but just to make fun of the people, uh, have a little fun, um, said that I was reserving all my rights under the uh, 21st Amendment, which was the amendment repealing prohibition. So um, on that point, um, but anyway, moving, getting back to the main point, which is we're talking about the evolution of Thanksgiving traditions. We, and we had Black Monday, excuse me, on Black Friday, um, which then extended into Saturday, and then we had Cyber Monday, you know, where we were encouraging people to do online shopping, and it's a major success for online re- retailers. And then yesterday has been this evolving thing of <coughs> Cyber Tuesday, and um, excuse me, not Cyber Tuesday, but Giving Tuesday. And um, if we're going to, it just extends the whole holiday tradition one more day. And um, you know, Cyber Tuesday. Is really, excuse me, Giving Tuesday. I don't want to keep saying Cyber Tuesday. Giving Tuesday is really an attempt to say, hey, you know, as we extend the holiday to, to spend all this money and engage in this commerce, you know, let's kind of remember what the season is about. And um, and so, what it's trying to do is just give a focus as we as the year end comes to a close. Um, you know, these are things that we must remember, and here's a, this, here's a day to just do something, whether it's get back to your community or whether it is to, um, you know, make a donation. And so um, we actually participated in um, Giving Tuesday, and we created a page on our blog because um, a lot of our guests are come from nonprofits and the type of, type of institutions that you might give to on Giving Tuesday. So we um, we actually highlighted those companies. We had links to how to donate, and um, we sent a, an email to, to uh, some of our people on our list. And um, and so I encourage you to visit our blog, um, cyberlawradio.wordpress.com, and we actually have a page there um, for um, just those messages and um, and just for those companies. And so. Um, Take, check it out. I mean, we have a lot of good companies there, and uh, I, I really encourage you to look at it. Um, you know, and just a little bit of background about Giving Tuesday. Um, it comes from basi- basically the goal is it's a global day to set, dedicated to giving back. And on Tuesdays, charities, families, business, community centers, and students around the world come together for one common goal, and that's to celebrate generosity and to give. Um, so um, we're going to take a short break because we have um, Ryan Scott and we're going to talk about his role in being a social entrepreneur and giving back um, after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. 
When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back, and we have um, social entrepreneur Ryan Scott, um, who's been around with a number of prior companies. He was co-founder of Net Creations, and um, he also... um, worked with Arianna Huffington to create uh, a special section of um, Huffington Post for impact and education sections. And um, so, Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Ryan, um, tell us a little bit about how you launched that page with with Arianna. Oh, sure. um, I've known Arianna from uh, just kind of being around the the charity scene in uh, Los Angeles. And uh, at at one of the events, I... uh, we came up with the idea of um, powering uh, uh, activities on the platform related to social good, giving people a way to actually um, participate uh, in the, the types of things that we were talking about. And then it, uh, it became clear that we really needed um, a new section where we could actually just dedicate uh, resources to talking about the causes that people cared about and the great things that people were doing in the world uh, to make it a better place. And at the same time, you know, power the actions on there to give people a way to actually, you know, as they're at that moment that they're most inspired to give back, uh, to not direct them necessarily to just the next article, but to give them a way to donate or, or volunteer. We um, we had a guest on last year who wrote a song um, and was raising to raise money for the victims of the Boston bombing. And I, I did a post on Huffington about it, and it, he went from having two hundred thousand hits to nine hundred thousand hits on YouTube. I mean, it's just amazing the impact it can have. Huh. So, and and it helped raise substantial money, I, I believe. So let's talk about Coscast because we we just finished talking about Giving Tuesday, and um, you were saying Coscast actually um, participated in that. So why don't you tell us about the company and the role you guys played on Tuesday? Absolutely. Um, so Coscast is an employee volunteerism and giving platform. 
It really gives you all the tools and, and really a, a, an internet website for a company uh, to be able to have its employees uh, engage in uh, giving campaigns or a volunteerism campaigns. Um, and you know, the, the, the tricky thing about doing that normally is, and in the way it's done, you know, without software like podcast is to keep track of things in spreadsheets, use email for scheduling, you know, basically do a lot of manual work. Um, and what we've done is uh, automated a lot of this, put it into a really, you know, beautiful, uh, robust platform that employees can really use in a kind of a self-service way. You know, the company will come up with kind of the overarching campaign uh, and say, you know, to the employees, well, you know, you know, uh, and also identify, you know, throughout the company, these, these community leads, you know, the do-gooders are, that you already know in your office and empower them to add uh, volunteer opportunities into uh, a campaign uh, and, and then for them to go out and ask uh, their coworkers, you know, to participate in it. And it's interesting with that model, as opposed to it coming top down from, you know, corporate headquarters, right. uh, it gets uh, much higher levels of engagement because the biggest reason that people volunteer or give is simply because somebody asks them. So coworkers asking is a really powerful way to do that. Uh, and then with Giving Tuesday, you know, the way our, our platform is uh, structured, um, Causecast, are, you know, our clients can create campaigns on their own, and they do. But then we also go out and, and find um, great opportunities uh, for companies, uh, you know, ideally that multiple companies can participate in at the same time. Uh, Giving Tuesday would be an example of that. So, uh, you know, uh, encouraged our, you know, created a campaign in our system and encouraged our clients to uh, adopt the campaign and, and really make it their own. Uh, and we had several of our clients do that. And, and we've done that with uh, campaigns, you know, with the White House and encouraging girls to stay uh, interested in STEM education. We've had, you know, several clients pick up the, the, the reins on that and say, okay, great, here's, here's the way that we're going to contribute. And it's always a way that um, benefits it benefits the cause, but it also, you know, benefits the company at the same time. Uh, an example of that would be a, a, our client, uh, Chegg, uh, it was a, uh, an education company. You know, they decided to help encourage uh, girls to stay interested in STEM education by doing um, job shadowing in their offices. And this was a great, you know, volunteer opportunity for the employees, but it also helps to create, uh, you know, a, a kind of a, if you've got a mentoring program like this, it helps to create an applicant pipeline, you know, for the long-term, you know, the, uh, you know recruiting uh, benefit uh, of your company. Because right. when those kids uh, finally graduate, they're going to be thinking, you know, where I, my, their only work experience at that point is going to have been the companies that they, you know, did job shadowing with. Those are going to be the first companies that they look to for potential work. Or even if they don't, you know, their colleagues, you're going to be looking, and they're going to say, "Hey, hey, you know that I, I, I job shadow that. That's a really cool company. You should definitely think about them." Exactly. So there's tremendous benefits for companies to do employee volunteerism and giving that extend far beyond uh, just you know the day of service. Uh, oh, we got our employees out doing kind of a team building exercise. So I mean, technically, so vis-a-vis the company, you know, the the for-profit companies, you give them a platform to, to track and monitor and I guess promote what they do. <clears throat> Exactly. It's a, it's a platform for uh, the employees to set up volunteer opportunities, for the company to set up uh, campaigns, um, and, you know, um, and to really make the process incredibly easy. From, from signing up, you know, individuals can sign themselves up, and if they change their mind and want to sign up for something different, they do it themselves, as opposed to asking you know, somebody in HR to help them out. Uh, and then you know, tracking everything. And tracking Tracking's really evolved, and, and we've helped push this forward. We've taken it from um, a world where we're just tracking activity, like X number of hours, right. to one where we're tracking impact, which is something that people care about. That's something that, that people can grab onto. Oh, That's the story. Did. Yeah. So is, exactly. So we've, what we've done is built a, um, what we call a story capture mechanism. Because if, imagine if you've got 500 people out in the community volunteering over the course of several weeks. 
Right. You have um, a lot more than one story there. And you have, it's not just the company and nonprofit story. You've got at least 500 stories. How do you start to capture them? Right. And so we built into the system a way for the employee, uh, when they're out doing something in the community, at that moment that they're the most inspired and, you know, and they're taking photos and videos to upload them through their mobile back up into the system where they're kept track of you know, for the benefit uh, of the company, you know, for the employees to see what's going on, kind of to keep the glow uh, alive from the, from the event. And then for the communications team to have a place to find all of this information for when they put together, you know, what it, it, it's, you know, their annual report or their sizzle reel for their, you know, the end of year, you know, kind of pep rally for the employees or, or whatever, or what have you. But having that, um, having all of that captured within the system uh, was a really key part, I feel, to, you know, moving this industry forward. Uh, so it's not really kind of like, um, kind of like billboard in the basement syndrome where you just, you create, Hey, everybody go volunteer and people go and they may, they may do it. They may not do it. Uh, it's, what, what businesses are seeing is that this is really a critical uh, business uh, application. This is something that's a critical business function and it really helps benefit the company in so many ways uh, that they're starting to really formalize it and expect more out of these, uh, out of systems like ours. Now I also saw you have um, cause cast for nonprofits. So what, what is your engagement right. on the nonprofit side? Yeah, it's interesting. So um, we work with nonprofits a couple different ways. So CostCast for nonprofits is where organizations can come in and provide volunteer opportunities or, you know, giving opportunities uh, to the corporate uh, partners that we have. And, you know, quite typically, you know, the nonprofits can come and, you know, do that on their own without corporate relationships. But the, the biggest use case is for um, nonprofits who we've already, you know, are already paired up with one of our corporate partners. Uh, to be able to add opportunities that they know that the, the company is interested in because we've established some sort of a relationship between the two of them. We kind of act as a, a broker, and then CauseCast for Nonprofits uh, exists as a place for, the, um, for a lot of it to happen without our manual intervention. And, and so, I mean, it's in, it's, what you're doing is daring, um, but your, your success is, is very heartening. You're, you're basically taking a non-revenue item for a company but in somehow making it um, a revenue item for them because it allows it's a way for a company to sell themselves. Hey, you know, come work for you know companyx.com because listen, you know, not only is this a good place to work, but we're we're a big part of this community. We've done this in you know, this area or this here. Watch this video, um, and that's yeah. important that's really for incredible. a company. And it and, really is. And so, <laughs> oh, no, I was just saying intuitively well, I, though, it's not you, you, the. I imagine your 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 hurdle in getting you know through the door is you know how do you make me money, and what do you respond well, to that? It's, it's, it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of um, studies around this uh, area, and I have to say two things. One, at the point that we're at and where this industry is, there's so much demand uh, for this type of uh, capability that we're not having to make the case too much uh, about the value. Uh, but uh, there is a lot of supporting evidence uh, around it, and, and um, it typically doesn't come up in the sales uh, conversation, but more in the kind of the media that we push out there to help educate the marketplace. And so there's been a lot of studies around, uh, you know, the value of this, you know, to the company. Uh, and you know, just a kind of a few little uh, stats, you know, one, a Deloitte did a study uh, recently and said they found that 70% of uh, uh, employees strongly favor companies that are committed to the community. Uh, you know, 51% want volunteerism to benefit them professionally. Um, you know, 57% of those who volunteer would recommend their company to a friend. So you see recruitment is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Um, 93% of employees who volunteer are happy with their employer. Uh, you know, so 
you know, the, the people just, they're, they're getting purpose from it. And then when you start to look at, okay, what is the cost to replace an employee? And, what, right. and all of our employees are coming to us and saying, hey, um, we're volunteering and donating already. How, how can the company support us? Um, the answer can't be we don't. The answer has to be, oh, we do, and here's what we do. We maybe we right. match donations. Maybe we've got a volunteerism program. Well, you should mention uh, that. You know, maybe we'll give you half <laughs> yeah. of they are. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen uh, some people in, the, in this community, in the tech community, actually have, you know, they spend one day a quarter where the whole company will volunteer someplace. You know, for example, Rubicon Project is really, an example. really key. Yeah, absolutely. It's key for the company, and it, it, the employees just really expect it. It, it not only is just like a day out in, in, in the world, but there's, the, really what the, the benefit is and all these things that I'm talking about, like recruitment and retention, all these things, all of it really comes down to um, kind of the, the, the big thing is employee engagement. And what companies have um, found is, and a lot of studies have shown that there's, right now employees are, are more disengaged than ever. There's about, right. about 70% of employees overall are disengaged, and about 28% of those are actively hostile. Uh, so, they're, you know, they're sabotaging projects. Right. And it's weird. You would think, why, why don't these folks quit? And the reason is that they've actually they've made it their mission to destroy the company. Uh, and so the, the, they'll hang around to, to try to cause trouble. So, you know, now you think, you know, what the heck does, you know, volunteerism and giving have to do with this? And really it's... um. The way employee, where employee engagement comes from, uh, I believe, is, is actually it's not employees engaging necessarily with the corporation uh, or engaging with, you know, online forms. It's with employees engaging with each other. So if you've right. got your best Team friend building. working at a job with you, you're having a happy time, you're staying there, you're not quitting. Right. Uh, you're going you're gonna to stay at that company for a while. Uh, and so, you know, having employees go out in the, in the world and do something um, with some, you know, added purpose by using their, um, their time, you know, their, their dollars, but then the company is matching them, or them out there, uh, you know, using their skills, you know, sometimes their job skills, sometimes the resources of the company, you know, adds, um, adds more purpose to, to what they're doing uh, and, and gets them interacting with their, their coworkers in a way that's, you know, new and unusual for them as well. And I think that's where employee engagement uh, comes from. I, I don't think I don't think employees are actually looking for balance. I don't think anybody's looking for balance. Actually, I think they're looking for purpose, and I think that's what we help to provide. And that's an interesting, you know, recast of the, the, of a common question. I mean, I think I think you may be right. I mean, the people do talk about balance, but you, uh, very few people achieve it. Or even if, you know, and part of the reason they don't achieve it is they they don't actually set out to achieve it. But um, and so. All right. The people who, who who hire you, what is the, the number one thing they say to you about, listen, I'm, I'm glad we hired you because blank? Huh. That's interesting. It, it becomes a lot of different things. Um, the, the biggest thing is we're able to help take their program to the next level. In most cases, they have some sort of program already. Um, uh, and, you know, there's some clients that are just forming them. But uh, the, with the ones that already have programs in place, we come in and, and uh, allow them to run it at a much higher level with a lot less manual work. So an example of that would be uh, uh, Neiman Marcus came in. They had their one program that they, they ran their year-end you know, f- uh, fundraising uh, program on a, a different platform. Uh, it came to us. Uh, we were able to run the entire campaign, and it, w- it was so much you know, better um, orchestrated and streamlined that they, they did about 50% more during that first month than they had done you know, the previous year. And, um, and that was great. And then, with, then they were able to say, well, that was so easy. Um, now we're going to start doing um, disaster uh, response campaigns. And so uh, there was also a mudslide, there was another disaster, and they were able to respond to them immediately and have something in front of the employees that they can participate in uh, or not. But it showed a really a commitment to the company to, you know, being, to to giving back. And, and, you know, lots of employees, everyone saw it, of course, and some employees participated. 
But then the company said, okay, this is great, but you know, we've got 90 locations. Um, we've always wanted to do volunteerism, but there was no way to organize this right. uh, you know, without hiring additional staff or, or really, it, it would have just been too hard. And so they never did it. But then with, when we brought in Clauscast, they were able to actually launch a volunteerism program. Uh, and it's very new from them. But like, so, you know, when I'm looking at this and thinking, the, you know, the impact that this company is going to have um, has just increased tremendously just by really unlocking this, you know, this potential uh, inside their, their employees and the company. And, and, and so, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say there's another no, element another to there. it. There's, there's another element to it in that you get to, not only does it obviously <laughs> increase the employee's sense of satisfaction, but um, it mm-hmm. makes the, their company more respected in the community. And so when I say I work for Neiman Marcus or you know, whoever else may have used you, um, they're going to say, yeah, you, know, you guys, that's a cool company. I just read about what they did on, after this tornado. Uh-huh. or I re- You know, that makes it, makes it more rewarding it's for the employee to hear that. It really does. No one wants to work for a corporate bad guy. And yeah, you know, there's not that many companies that are, uh, that are you know, truly evil. Companies are really a collection of people. And I think and most people are, are good. And maybe that's Pollyannish you know, sentiment. But I think once you go in and, and start on, yeah, I know. Once you go in and start kind of unlocking that, um, I think that, you know, that there's an interesting potential for, um, you know, for it to actually kind of change the fundamental nature of business. And I don't think capitalism is inherently bad. I think it's actually, it's the most powerful tool that we've ever created, uh, I believe. And, you know, we're trying to harness that uh, to, you know, make the world better. And I think by going in and having employees volunteer uh, and give, um, they they can end up changing some of the rules uh, around business because, you know, ultimately they, they help define them. You know, it, it, you know I'm, a, I'm a lawyer, obviously, and, and I'm actually a public defender's son. And uh, I, I, I do share your belief. I do think people are generally good, but you know they they go astray or they you know they get they get tempted yeah. by other well, things. They, they get perverse. There's perverse incentives out there. Um, yes, you know, uh, just a, a purely profit uh, incentive. Um, you know, can, can be negative, but I think, but businesses really do survive by making things, you know, products or services that people want. So they're providing a valuable service. Um, Doing that and um, not, you know, treating your employees well or, or doing, you know, or not treating the environment well are some of the things that were, you know, very, very short-sighted. We're finding out now that if you actually do treat the environment well, you do treat your employees well, you get to survive as a business. Yes. Uh, and, you, and then you actually will do better as a business. And so that's why, yeah, that's why I don't have to make the case often to companies about why they would do this. They, um, they're, they're kind of scrambling all to do it as fast as possible. And I think, um, you know, we're starting to see, you know, about 90% of the Fortune 500 already had a, a giving program in place. So, you know, they, they move around to the, the best platform, you know, as, as it comes out. But um, what we're seeing, and, and one of the reasons we developed Clauscast in an extremely scalable way, is so not only can we scale up to these big companies, but we can scale uh, down to handle small companies as well. Like we're working with, like the Honest Company, for example, they've started with us at about 100 people. They're, they're up to about 250 right now. Um, a bunch of bunch of smaller companies have gone to, uh, on board too, and you know we've even um, scaled it all the way down to you know very small companies in partnership with a uh, nonprofit uh, organization called the Full Circle Fund here in uh, San Francisco. It's bringing on small organizations, and we're running um, we're kind of treating um, multiple companies as one uh, community and allowing them to run on the Causecast platform and still be able to give back even if they only have five employees. Are you um, finding and I think that's any- important. Any sectors more responsive than others to to your platform? 
Is it easier to pitch to tech people just because it's you know it's a tech product or no? You know, if they're if they're um, once a company gets above a certain size, they they start to really uh, they have the, the extra person to be able to put resources behind this, and it, I, it, it is easier to talk to ten companies a lot of times because they they're willing to try something that's more cutting edge. Um, they don't um, they don't necessarily go for the established player all the time, right. and you know, as a newer company, you know that that definitely helps us. And you know, we, we we're doing things that are more. Um, Again, like with a you know having a mobile app and uh, you know having social media or even having crowdfunding inside of the company, uh, which is something that, that hasn't been uh, tried before with any of you know our competitors. Um, you know, it's for, for some established companies like hmm, uh, social media. I don't know about that. Um, whereas the tech companies are like social media, of course. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Now you're um, <laughs> you're based in San Francisco, and but you have multiple offices like New York, Chicago, Dallas, DC. Um, Washington. Yeah, we have we have offices all over the place, but our really we're centered in Los Angeles, uh, where I started it, and, and uh, about uh, there's, there's more than half the company physically located there. Where and in then Los I Angeles? Recently uh, moved uh, in Los Angeles. Um, well, we've been all over the place: Santa Monica, Culver City, and um, right now uh, a lot of the developers are uh, in Burbank, actually. Oh. Beautiful downtown Burbank, as Johnny Carson used to say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, if people want to learn more about Causecast, because we only have a few minutes left, um, where should they go? Sure. They should go to Causecast.com, and that's our homepage. And then, you know, we do a lot of publishing all over the place. Uh, but our blog is a is a great source of information. Very. Um, uh, very great industry information and, and how to run your program effectively and how to get started and a lot of things like that. And that's at causecast.com uh, slash blog. Okay. And um, are you presenting anywhere soon that people may want to check you out? I am presenting at a, well, I'm presenting at IGSN in New York, but I, 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 um, I, I think it's, uh, I think that's a private event actually. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going to be uh, publicly next. Okay, well, if you do have an you know, appearance you want us to, to promote, let us know. But I want to thank you very much. I um, it, was, it was a pleasure meeting you a couple of weeks ago, and thank you for coming on the show. Um, I think it's a great organization. I love the concept. So best of luck to you uh, at causecast.com. And um, thanks again for joining us, Ryan. It's been a pleasure. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, right. Thank you. And so we only have a, a few seconds left, but next week uh, um, we have a special show. Um, we have... Um, we're going to have one of our authors on, and um, as well as a, a former, a, 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 excuse me, a, a client of mine, Obi Scott Wade, um, who is uh, an amazing um, figure in entertainment. He has um, both. He uh, has a show out on cable called She's Out, and he has a book coming out, Audrey, and um, he's going to be talking about that. We also have Emily Parker talk about her book on the medicines in, under repressive regimes in China, Russia, and Cuba. So next week, great show. Don't miss it. Um, Emily Parker and Obi Scott Wade here on Cyberlaw Business Report. Get quarters adjourned. We will see you next week. Stay dry in California. And um, till then. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs. 
Sports. On demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.webmasterradio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.